0: to um, share with you something today uh, and uh, I'm going to um, start off uh, by uh, reading a scripture and then I want to um, show you something today to kind of uh, lay the foundation. Um, God gives us very descriptive um, things in his word. God is not someone who just ambiguously says things, but God is, God lays it out in his word. Not everything is black and white, but God does give us patterns and principles to who he is and how he operates. And the great thing about God is he never changes. So when I read the word of God, and I see how God operated 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago from a cultural standpoint and from a a, a uh, chronological standpoint, I'm in the year 2021 and I read scriptures that were written three, four thousand years ago and what they were doing. And there's a part of me that cannot relate to their lifestyle, but I can relate to the principles of which God is operating. And that's a very important point because there is sort of an underlying idea that has crept into a lot of Christians that the Old Testament is called old for a reason. That we we don't have to... Old Testament is old. We don't have to do it. Old Testament is just... And then the only thing we need to worry about is the New Testament. Well, there's a couple of very important points to that, that a lot of you know, but give me a second here for those of you to, that don't know. Um, the Bible doesn't have a distinction between old and new like we have. And here's why I say that, because Peter and Paul and John and these great men of the New Testament, they refer to the Word of God, they refer to reading the Word of God, they refer to uh, using the Word of God in their life. Well, when they were speaking about those things and uh, using that framework of the word of God, what were they talking about? Well, they couldn't have been talking about the New Testament because the New Testament wasn't written or if it was written, it wasn't in circulation like we have it today. So the only thing they could have been talking about was what was called the Hebrew Bible or what we call today the Old Testament. I say that because the Old Testament lays out some principles about God and how God operates that is absolutely imperative for us to know and understand. You can't dismiss them. And I'm not going down that road today, but I want to just make sure that point is understood because a lot of times when we go into Old Testament scripture, which we're about to, there's a little bit of mentality that some people have, well, that's that really doesn't relate to me today. And yes, there may be some aspects of that that don't translate into the modern world. We're not living in tents. You might, I guess you could live in a tent, but in most places, we're not living in tents. But we do understand that God hasn't changed and his way of operating hasn't changed. So... That's enough of that, because I want to read to you a portion of Scripture. We find it in Exodus chapter 29, and I'm going to jump right in the middle of the story, and for time's sake, I'm not going to give you the context of what's being done here. I'm just going to read it to you, and want to pull out a couple of key phrases here. I would encourage you to go back and read the context here. I'm not taking it out of context, but the context to me in this situation is not as important as what the principle is is being shared. Exodus chapter 29, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 38. It says this, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer in the evening. And with the one lamb, a tenth deal of flour mingled with fourth part of hen of beaten oil and the fourth part of hen of wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb thou shalt offer an evening, thou shalt do thereunto according to the meat offering of the morning and according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And I, and there I, will meet the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office." And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, their God, that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Now, there's some context here. There's some things within the context of the scripture that's really awesome to to see and know, but... I want to pull out a couple of the key phrases that were were, were um, mentioned there um, because it's something that I think we all need to look at in our own life today, whatever level you are in your walk with God. And I don't say level as far as uh, this person's here and that person's there. I'm meaning whatever place you are, whatever position you are when you work with God, whether you're just learning to walk with God or you've been walking with him for a long time. But before we get into the scripture, I want to take you back to something maybe some of you have, probably most of you have seen. And if you haven't seen, uh, you probably have heard the phrase. And if you haven't heard either one of them, well, you're going to have to just catch up quickly here today uh, to understand this. Uh, But uh, at one point in time, I'm sure most of us have seen an infomercial. Whether it's an infomercial that we've seen on TV, whether it's an infomercial we've seen in a store, uh, stores like Best Buy, ba- uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, other places have those uh, tele the screens set up that are playing the infomercials television uh, has stuff uh the infomercials buy this. If you buy now we'll throw in another one free. Just give us five dollars shipping and handling. But wait, there's more. You know what I'm talking about. Or there's a store uh used to be in the mall. I don't know if I don't I haven't been to the mall forever. I don't think it's there, but I do think I do think there's some malls that still have it. There's a store called that seen on TV. Or if you go to Walmart up front there's usually a section up front in Walmart that's called the "as seen on TV" section, and most of the stuff that's up there is stuff that you have seen in infomercial, like the Snuggie—that's the blanket with arms in it—or uh, I'm trying to think of some other classic infomercial. Uh, remember the OxyClean guy, uh, or I know now it's that um, Flex Seal—it's the guy with the boat. He basically cuts his boat in half, and he puts this special flex seal, and the boat floats again. There's all kinds of different stuff out there. You can go to Walmart uh, today and look up there, and you can see all these commercials. But there's one I remember years ago. I didn't buy the product. Maybe you did. But the tagline uh, came back to me when when the Lord started talking to me about what I want to share with you today. The tagline came back to me. And I'm going to play a clip for you uh, because I want you to remember it. And if you have forgotten it, maybe this clip will jar your memory. But I want to play, it's about a 45 second clip. I want you to listen to something because I'm going to use this clip. Because I think it really shows sometimes how we view God and how we view uh, our own Christian walk with him. So if we could play that clip. Isn't it you guys? Isn't it simple? That yeah, nice. I'll put the lid on. This is kind of nice. There it goes. Excellent. I'll slide this over. Get this chicken over. This chicken over. And this chicken over. And I'll just walk over here. I'll put it in this new Pro model. I'll slide it back. If you followed all the instructional material, you just set it and break. You slide the window up. You follow all instructions and you set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. it It's as simple as that, folks. Set it and forget it. Now, maybe you've never seen that product before. I don't even remember. I don't remember the name of the product was. I think it was a Ronco. I don't remember what the product was, but it it was the saying of set it and forget it. And I hadn't seen that in years. I remember the saying because I remember it was just something that once it got in your head, it never could get out. Said it and forget it. Uh, but when I went on to find the clip and I went on YouTube and I watched that clip, I realized there's something else said there that really jumped out at me. Um, now, I don't know if you bought this product, if it works, uh, I have no idea that's irrelevant to me today, but if you notice they that the 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 guy said it, and so did the woman said it they before they lifted they put the chicken in the 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 oven thing whatever that thing is called uh and they went to close the lid and they made this statement if you followed all the instructions, then said it. And forget it. And all the crowd, you know, they do it. If you follow the instructions and the crowd says, set it and forgive it. And at the end, he makes a statement. It's just that easy. And if you understand, I don't know, again, I don't know if you, maybe, maybe you tried it. Maybe you bought one. I have no idea. I don't know if you could set it and forget it. Apparently that was what you could do with that machine. But that mentality of set it and forget it doesn't work when it comes to our relationship with God. Boy, it would be awesome if it could, but it doesn't. But we live more like that Ranko or Ronco, however you pronounce it, machine, and how we approach God than we do from a truly biblical understanding of how. We are to walk with him because if we follow all the instructions, then we should be able to set it and forget it. And therefore my job is to make sure that I'm properly doing all that I'm supposed to do. So therefore I can set it and therefore forget it, which means basically the way that we're promoting this product is basically the idea that you can put this meat or whatever you're cooking into this machine, you can set it and forget it, meaning you can go and do all kinds of stuff and not worry about this because it's going to take care of itself. And when you come back in a little while, whether it's an hour or two, I don't know how long it takes for something to cook in that machine. When you come back, you're going to find perfectly cooked chicken or roast or whatever else is spinning on that machine and you know they take it out and they cut it and the crowd goes ooh, ah, and he says taste this and it's the best meat you've ever had because you could set it and forget it but can I tell you that doesn't work it doesn't work so let's go back to our text because There's a couple of key phrases in Exodus 29 that I want to pull out to you today. And uh, I want to reread Exodus uh, 29, the verses we read. But I'm going to start, instead of reading uh, at uh, verse 38, I'm going to start reading at verse 43. So verse 43 says, and there I will meet the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle, the congregation and the altar. And I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. I could read those and it's great because I love talking about what God offers, right? God said, he's going to be with me. He's always going to be there. He's never going to, it's, God's going to carry me. Oh man, God's there. His great, his presence, all this. He's going to, you know, he's going to be my God. I'm his child. These are great promises. Yes. But all of those promises came after what preceded the promise. God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to meet with you daily. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, to sanctify this place. I'm going to sanctify him. Here, here's everything that I have to offer you. But I'm only going to do this once you first meet these qualifications. So let's go back to read what those qualifications were to get the the second part of the blessing. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar. Okay, verse 38. All right, what am I supposed to do? Okay, number one. Two lambs of the first year. Day by day continually. One lamb morning, one lamb the evening. And... With the morning lamb, you need to do these things. With the evening lamb, you need to do this, do these. And verse 42 says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. Now, here's the problem with that. We have no, I don't think we have a big issue with the idea that we're to offer God something. Okay. We're to offer him something. I get it. You know, he died for me. Therefore, I offer it to him. But. But. Let's take the set it and forget it mentality that we just saw on the infomercial. Let's put that into practice for a second in this verse. And let's go back the thousands of years that this was written and let's get in the context of this moment. The Bible is very specific. It even goes into greater detail in other parts of Scripture what exactly was qualified to be a lamb that was to be offered up. The first here gives us is two lambs of the first year. Uh, later on, it gives us, it tells us more specifically the qualifications of those lambs. You didn't go out to your, you didn't go out and get the lamb that had, you know, like the crooked leg and the one eye and, you know, the one that just didn't look healthy. The one that was kind of, uh, whose whose fleece was kind of, Mangy and who was the who was the sickly and you say okay well you know I'm going to give God this because this guy's worthless anyways God wanted you to go out and find the best one of your flock that's what he offered wanted so it first starts off showing us that God is not looking for your leftovers too many of us want to give God our leftovers well God it's been a long week. I'm exhausted. And uh, I know it's Sunday, so Lord, I'm going to give you Sunday. But Lord, I'm just letting you know I'm tired. That's giving God your leftovers. That's giving God what you've taken care of all your stuff. And therefore, you're giving God what you have left over. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Now, some people take that verse as to say, seek ye first means you got to get up in the morning. The first thing you do is seek God, and that's the first thing. And there is some level of understanding to that, that in the morning there should be a desire to connect to him. However, it doesn't mean just simply seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then the rest of the day belongs to you. Because you know what? I can get up in the morning, and I could get in my prayer posture, whatever that is, whether it's whatever you do, wherever you pray, whether it's a chair, you sit, whether you stand, whether you walk, whatever you do. And I can give God my day. Oh God, I give you today. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to, I love you so much. You're so great, yada, yada, whatever you say. And then you can set it and forget it. Because you can go the rest of your day after you've given God your Morning, and you can run your life the rest of your day. And to God, that morning meant nothing. Nothing. It didn't mean anything to him. Because ultimately, he's not looking for just seek ye first in order, but he's also seek ye first in order in preference. And desire in every aspect of life, he desires to be first. That means before any thought is taken, before the energy is expended, before you give anything else to anybody, he wants to be first. So that's the first thing we find here. But there's a word here that I really want you to look at because this is the whole crux of what I want to look at today for the next few minutes. And that is two lambs of the first day, first year, day by day, continually. Day by day, continually. This is probably the greatest trap we fall into in our desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We fall into the set it, and forget it trap because the instructions given to us by the infomercial said, if you do all, if you follow all the instructions, then you can set it and forget it. So what I do? Well, I get all the instructions put together. I set it and then I desire to forget it. Because I think if I can just get everything right, I can just sort of check out, set it, forget it, it's okay. But when I read the principles of the Word of God, there's a couple of things that really start to work to, to, to uh, jump out at me. The Lord said, the, the word says, uh, 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 "Blessed is the man whose mind is stayed, whose heart and mind is stayed on me." Now we sometimes read certain things and we extrapolate those into some kind of um unprecedented expectations meaning that I'm supposed to sit around all day going Jesus 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 as if I'm pulling up to the uh to the drive through at McDonald's and I say can I have a uh a cheeseburger Jesus with a large fry Jesus Uh, Can I get a medium Coke? Jesus. Uh, What do you kids want? Jesus. Uh, Okay, can I get two? Uh, Jesus. Happy Meals. Jesus. Can I get those with uh, nuggets? Jesus. And can I get those with uh, uh, two orange juices or apple juices? Jesus. No. Go on to your work. Uh, Yes, boss. Jesus. What would you like for Jesus? Me to do today? Jesus. It's not what he's talking about. Honestly, if you did that, you're probably gonna get fired. If you did that at McDonald's, you're probably not gonna get your order right. You don't they don't get the right get it right half the time, anyways. I don't think Chick-fil-A sells a Jesus Chick-fil-a sandwich. Even though some of you claim that Chick-fil-a tastes like heaven, I hate to break it to you. It's not heaven. So if you rolled up to Chick-fil-A and said, can I get a Jesus chicken sandwich and some Jesus nuggets, they're gonna go. I don't know what Jesus nuggets are, but we do have Chick-fil-A nuggets. So when we say our mind is continually on him, let's not go to the point where we're talking about that we have to be in this this mystical, spiritual, untethered to to the ground mentality. It's talking about not getting into the set it and forget it mentality. I'll give you an example. Let's use some Let's use some basic, fundamental, principle things that we all want in our life. Let's start with faith. Faith is a good one, right? Because it's easy to say, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the fundamental thing. It's the foundation. It's the cornerstone of everything. You can't do anything in God without faith. You can't walk with God. Faith is it. Faith, 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 faith. That's it. I don't have to argue with you today on the importance of faith. I don't have to tell you today that faith is—if it's not the top thing, it's right there at the top. To me, it's the top thing, but maybe to you it's different. But I don't—I don't think we're arguing today on the importance of faith. Faith is at the core. Faith, belief, all of it is at the core of all of this. How can you—how can you honestly sit here today, listening to me speak or do anything? in the realm of God without faith because you're talking to something you cannot see. You're talking to something you cannot physically touch. The only way you know that God is there is because you believe he's there and faith says he's there. So we understand the importance of faith. But let's look at faith because not all faith is equal. And I say this because And I've taught taught this before, so give me a minute to go back through it for a second for those of you that have not heard this, because it's a principle. When I say faith, what does that mean? Because I've heard people say, well, I believe God, or "I I have faith in Jesus Christ. Great, I'm glad you say that. But what do you mean? Because the Bible says in the book of James, where it says, show me your faith. Without works, you can't do it. And James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Or I'll bring it into this today's language, and some of you have heard me say this before. And that is this. You can't show me faith without action. If you want to see my faith, watch my action. Because the Bible says in Corinthians, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore Speak. So those two things show me something about faith. That faith cannot be set it and forget it. Because if I set it and forget it, that's not faith. So we go, okay, God, you know what? Let's say right now, everybody uh, in this that's watching today, to some degree, whatever it is, you've got a need. Now, based off where you are in your life, Based off things that are going on, that need may be low, medium, or high priority. There are some times where there are literally life or death needs in our life. There are survival needs. There are needs where I don't know if I can literally make it another day. Some of you may be there today. That might be driven by... um, Physical, emotional, financial, family, stress, drama, whatever that might you might be there. Then there's those needs that sort of let's say their um, their needs where we really need God to work. But if He doesn't, okay, I will give you a good one, and I'm not saying work with me for just for a second here before you 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 dismiss me. God, my shoulder really hurts. So I speak your healing over it. But if you don't heal me, I, I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow and the doctor's going to take some x-rays and MRI and can tell me what's going on. So if you could heal me, that's great. But in case you don't heal me, I do have a backup plan. That's okay. Versus going to the doctor and the doctor saying, um, I don't know what, how to say this, but uh, we found uh, disease, cancer, whatever is your body. You have three months to live. I'm sorry, but there's nothing we can do. Not the same need, right? Different needs. Then we have those needs that are at the bottom of the priority that you got a cold. Now, I know today that doesn't seem because with COVID, but let's just do good old sniffles. The non-COVID sniffles. <laughs> Make sure I get that out correctly. You know, it's one of those things where if God heals you, great. There's no really thing to do about it. You just deal with it. You know, in a couple of days, it's going to pass. You'll be okay. So God, you know, you know, Lord, uh, heal me. But if you don't heal me, it's not the end of the world. I'll just keep going. So you have those, we have categories of needs, but today somewhere in your life, whatever that category, your need falls into, you've got a need. There's nobody, literally nobody that can be watching today that can say, I have no need. If you say that you're lying. Don't sit there. Don't, don't even try. Nope, nope, nope. You're not telling the truth. Some need. Could be internal. Could be external. Could be emotional. Could be physical. Could be mental. Could be all the above. Could be family. Could be relationship. Could be job. Could be career. Could be whatever. But you got a need. So let's take that idea. You've got a need today. You have got a need. We all have needs. Every person, there's not one person here today that doesn't have a need. And be careful before you start comparing your need to somebody else. Well, I have a need. I don't know. They they don't really. You know what? To me, my need is a need. So we all have needs. So let's make that clear. We're all equal in that standpoint. We all have needs. Now, we understand that we we have a God who is able to meet our needs, so we're 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 building us we got we're building a case here like a good lawyer we're building a case for what we're about to bring before the jury so Number one, we all have needs. Check, got it, okay, I got a need, whatever it is today. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're battling COVID. Maybe you're sitting today and you're staring down the 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 the, uh, the empty zero on your bank account. Maybe today you are literally about to tear your head out, off because of friction in your family. Maybe you are dealing with the emotion and hurt and the grief and the pain and the abuse and the uh, the the difficulties of your past. So we have that. We establish that. We've got a need. Then we establish, boom, over here, we have a God who's able to meet needs. Wow, great. So we have a need and we have a God who can meet need. Wow, this is it. We've got it. Problem solved. We've got it. We have needs. God meets needs. Match made in heaven. Here we go. Ching, ching, ching. But there's a space. There's a gap. Need and God who meets needs. There's a space. That space is filled with faith. What brings the God of the need into the need? What brings these two things together? What is the as, they, as the saying goes, what is the tie that binds these two components together? It's faith. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we understand need, God of need. And we have this filled in gap that we've got to fill with faith. We were having, um, um, my wife was doing some repotting of an artificial plant. In fact, if you've been with us for a while, the plants that used to be behind us for a while, those trees, um, we were repurposing those trees because we took them out here, took them out of the studio, and we were repurposing them. And so my wife was going to repot them into a different pot that matched the the room that we were moving in into. And, um, so we had to pull them out. They were in this cert. We had to pull them out and, um, we had to get creative and putting them back in to the pot, uh, a new pot. And the new pot we bought was larger than the other pot. So we went to the store and we bought some of this, these styrofoam discs and they were kind of in the shape of the pot we had. And we put them down in there, and then we, and my wife cut a hole, and we stuck the artificial tree uh, into the hole. Well, the problem was, okay, we had the pot, these foam discs, and the tree in the hole, but we had too many gaps. The tree didn't fit snugly. So we went to the store, we bought that expandable foam that you, they use in houses or they use in certain other construction where you spray it out of a little tube, and then it expands, it hardens and creates a seal. And so, um, I held a tree, my wife held the tree and we sprayed it down into the cracks and it expanded. And in about 15 minutes, it hardened up. And this tree is rock solid. You have a need and you have the God of needs and you have this space that has to be filled with this void that has to be filled. And, and something has to be able to solidify these two things. And that is faith. So we understand there are three components. We have we have need, the God of need, and in the middle we have what is necessary to bring these together and that is faith. Great. So we have the instructions. So let's put all this in the oven. Need, God of need, faith, put in the oven, let's set it and forget it. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. You see Because faith is is something that only works if it's being activated. Faith doesn't work by simply setting it and forgetting it. Faith doesn't work because you said, God, I know you supply needs. God, I know that you're a healer. God, I know that you're a deliverer. God, I know that you can do exceeding and abundantly above all I can ask or think, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you can do it. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this situation, but I believe you can and you will carry me through. And then I wake up tomorrow and I'm like, well, I set my faith, so now I can forget my faith. But you see, the problem is, faith is something that has to be activated every day. Faith is like a fire that you constantly have to make sure has the proper wood and has to continually be managed or that fire is eventually going to burn out. You can't set it and forget it. Because I I know in my spirit, when the Lord gave this to me, there are some of you right now that you are not seeing God work in your life because your faith is not being activated on a daily basis you are telling god you're God I know you're a healer here's all the things God your word promised and God's going yeah but where's the continually on your part yeah we want to tell God the end of exodus twenty nine but we're not telling we're not giving god the continual there in the middle of exodus 29 right we're not giving the day by day we're not getting up and saying god i'm still sick today but i know that you're a healer god i'm still broken today but i know that you're a mender of broken hearts wait a minute i did that yesterday and god didn't do it yes but don't don't i said it in the very beginning just because we don't see he's working doesn't mean he's not working that song uh that um, um waymaker maybe you've heard on the radio and they say it even when i don't see it you're working even when i can't feel it you're working you never stop You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. You never stop working. Can I tell you this? We serve a God. We walk with a God. We know a God who never stops working. Even when I can't see it. Even when I can't feel it. He's always working. But he only works if I can continue with my faith. Faith is an activation thing every day. Faith doesn't work because today on Sunday, it's Sunday, I have faith, I believe. But tomorrow morning, you go off and you live six days disconnected, six days of doubt. But you set it so you can forget it. It doesn't work. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. The Bible says in the great, in, 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 in the great scripture in faith, on he, Hebrews, the description of faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, not tomorrow faith or yesterday faith. Now faith. Some of you are living with the idea that faith, you've said it and forget it, but you're not activating your faith. You're not living with an activated faith. How about this? Grace. Love, grace, grace. Grace is God's is, is God's working in me for it to help me and to, and to and to give me what I cannot do on my own. Let's go back to the analogipment. An I'm here. God wants me to be here. I'll never be able to get there. I'm always going to come up short. Doesn't matter how hard I try. I'm, I am built to fail in my own efforts. You as a human being in your own efforts in God are built to fail because the Bible says no flesh is going to glory in, your, in his presence. You're built to fail. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. God's made. No, 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 no. He made it that way because he's always going to ask you to go just beyond what you can do on your own. Because if you could do it all on your own, you don't need God. So you're going to be here. God's always going to ask you to be here. So what is that space called? I call that the space of grace. The only way for you to get here to here is you've got to get his grace You have to receive his grace. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might receive help. But here's the point, right? Here's how how I wish it would work. Lord, I receive your grace today to walk with you, to be the person you have chosen me to be. Lord, I receive your grace today to be the father, to be the husband to be the employee, to be the man you've called me to be and desire for me to be. I receive your grace. I'm, I'm waiting. Where is it? Okay, God, I just, let me run that back to you. Um, I receive your grace today. So... Pour it on me. Okay, maybe that won't Let me move over here for a second. Maybe I missed the grace bucket. Okay, God, I'm right here. I receive your grace today. Okay, maybe that work. Let me go over here. This will work. Hey! Woo! I receive your grace today. Oh man, where is it? Well, I guess I didn't receive it today. It doesn't work that way. You see, I believe grace operates like a ship underway. You've heard me use this illustration before, some of you, but a giant ship, whether it's a vessel that is, uh, tied up to the local pier in your neighborhood if you live near the water the near the, the 20 or 30 foot sailboat or it's the hundreds and hundreds of feet of a of a ship or a naval vessel or a container ship or a mega yacht. All of each ship is steered by a rudder. That's that little thing in the back that moves to allow the ship to turn into the water. But there's a principle that is so simple, sometimes we forget. And that is, you cannot make adjustments of a ship. You cannot make a ship turn if a ship is tied up to the dock. Doesn't work that way. You know, if you go back to the old sort of colonial pirate vessels, you know, Go back to the old uh, ships, the the, uh, the 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 British ships, the big masted ships, or the you know we often equate to pirates and the and and the British sailors or or the Mayflower. You get these big masted, and usually up on the 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 uh, the, uh, the stern of the ship, in the rear, there's that big wheel, and you're turning that big giant ship's wheel. When I was a kid. Somewhere, my dad had purchased a ship's wheel, and this thing was like this big and I remember as a kid it was up it was it was in his office and then it was at at our house and, and it was just i remember as a kid ho- touching that thing it was this giant wheel, and you'd spin in that wheel to get that uh to get the ship's rudder to turn but if you were in that if you had that ship tied up to the pier and you're spinning that wheel. You know what? The rudder is going to turn because it's connected to the wheel. But that ship is not going to turn its course at all. Try it in your own. Try this. You can try it today. Go sit in your driveway. Turn your car on so that the power steering works. Sit there and turn the wheel. You can turn the wheel so far that the the wheels turn as far as they can go. But that car does not move. Doesn't change course. Doesn't change direction because it's sitting still. Because we know that the only way for that ship to turn, that boat to turn, is you have to turn the wheel. But something has got to be passing underneath the keel, underneath the bottom of the ship that will hit that rudder. So the rudder turns this way and the water's coming this way. It's going to hit that rudder and it's going to push the ship this way. If it spins this way, it's going to hit and it's going to push the bow of the ship this way because the pressure of what's coming underneath of it, the movement of going forward, the movement of going forward is what causes it to turn. When you're driving your car, the wheels are turning and you're moving. When you turn that wheel, it's the progress of moving forward or backwards if you're in reverse that causes it to move it doesn't work if it's sitting still so when you live in grace and you set it and forget it you can't make adjustments and you can't see God's hand at work in your life because there's no progressive movement forward you're sitting still and you're expecting God to say okay God change my course and then I'll move do this and then I no 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 it doesn't work that way Give me a lamb every day and then I will. Take up your bed and walk. Wait a minute. I've been laying here for 38 years. I haven't been able to use my legs. And Jesus is the healer. He's the great physician. He stands before me and he goes, okay, stand up and walk. And I want to say back to him, listen, genius. If I could have walked, I'd already been walking. Kind of the forgive me for saying it this way. That's kind of the dumbest request of all time. Jesus looks down at the guy who can't walk and says, take up your bed. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. I <laughs> kind of want to go, um, excuse me. Uh listen, I know you you got this whole Messiah thing going on, and you're like sort of the creator of the world, and you know, all this stuff you say you are, but let me just enlighten you how the real world works. This dude's been sitting here for 38 years, and he hasn't been able to walk. You think if he could have done it, he would already have done it. So instead of telling him to get up, why don't you why don't you shoot a little of your magic dust on him, and he'll get up. But don't be telling him to get up, because if he could, he would. And Jesus said, no, it doesn't work that way. I preached about this a couple months ago. I can't imagine what that man must have been through, because... Jesus asked the guy, do you want to be well? They had this whole conversation, and finally Jesus' response to him was, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. I don't believe when he said that, the guy went, did you feel that? Did you feel that? I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I don't think he did. He he began to stand up. I feel it. I feel it. I think he went, what? Are you kidding me? But he knew he was the healer. Need, the God of need. We've got those two. What's in the middle? You've got the need, 38 years, never walking. You have the healer standing right before him. But in the middle, there's that space of faith, right? What if he just said to him, you know, hey, listen, I've been telling everybody here at the pool for years that you are the healer. So I already have faith. I don't even need to do anything. So look, I don't need to get up because I've, I, I've said for you, know, you see, he couldn't just set it and forget it. After following all the instructions, he couldn't just set it and forget it. I can't imagine the first brief moments of what that must have been like in that guy's life where he looked around at where he's been and looking up to Jesus standing before him and hearing the words echo rise up take up your bed walk I don't know if he began to shift a little bit trying to figure out how am I going to do this I don't know, but I'm going to obey because I believe that he's a healer. See, we want the feeling and we want the evidence before we take the action. We want God to do his part and then we'll respond because we're so afraid of being let down. We're so afraid of it not happening that we're afraid to activate our faith. We're afraid of activating grace in our life, whatever it is. And so we live with this mentality of, well, I said it, I forget it. God knows I believe. If God wants to do something, he knows He knows where to find me, I'm here. I followed all instructions. Said it, forget it. God knows where I'm at. No. See, it doesn't work that way. It's a now thing. It's today. If you have faith, that God's doing something in your life. Where have you activated that faith today? Where has that faith been evidence in your, evident in your life today? Because you know what? I believe that man began to move and at first he's thinking, I don't even know. I, um, he felt weak, his legs didn't feel it like, and he began to shift and began to try to push himself up And somewhere in that process where it probably felt like at first it wasn't happening, but somewhere it began to shift. And with every attempt, strength began to come. You see, we desire to grow in God. We desire to have more faith. When you say, God, give me faith. He doesn't zap you with the faith jolt. More than likely, God's going to put you in a situation that's going to require you to have faith. If you want to learn about trust, he's not going to just say, here's the magic trust bullet. Here you ready to go? Bzzz, trust, there it is. No, he's going to put you in situations that require you to activate trust. God is wanting you to activate what you've got on a daily basis. You can't live with the set it and forget it. We are so desiring to go to the next thing that we go, okay, God, all right, I got faith. Check, let's go on to something else. Show me peace, show me grace, show me the depths of all you have for me. Wait a minute, what about faith? Yeah, but God, I got faith. I got it in the oven. I followed all the instructions. I closed the glass lid. I set it and forget it. No. Yeah, you did, and that's right. You have forgotten it because your faith's not working. Your faith isn't working today. You've stopped activating your faith because you've now moved over, and now instead of worrying about the chicken, you're you're over there making your mashed mashed potatoes or your peas or your cornbread or your whatever else you've got in the oven because you've set it and forget it. It doesn't work like that in God's in God's chick, uh, uh, kitchen. You can't just set it and forget it doesn't work like that. It has to be activated. He will do his part, but you've got to do your part. He will sanctify you. He will come to you. He will meet with you. He will stay there. He will be your God. But what about the continual? Well, it's Sunday. Of course, today we're all, everybody's going to do it on Sunday. It's Sunday. This is the day we activate. Activation! Sunday! Well, I hate to break it to you that... um, If you go read the Bible, Sunday is not exactly God's holy day. You can't make Sunday holier than any other day if you're going to say that. In fact, there's one day that God said, this is the day, it's the Sabbath. It wasn't Sunday. Hate to break it to you. But the way we are in our world, in our society, we've set aside Sunday. So we'll use Sunday. You can't just say, okay, i got a week. I've got Monday through Saturday. I've got work to do. I've got issues, problems, doctor's appointments, this, that. Here it is. Okay, God. All right. God, I give you my week. I give you everything about my week. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would do this and do that this week. Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know what I'm dealing with. You know that boss that's driving me crazy. You know the bills I've got to pay. You know the doctor's appointment that I'm dreading that's going to be on Wednesday. So, Lord, today I give you my week. I give it all to you because I want you to be the first. All right. I followed all instructions. I'll set it and forget it. I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm off because I've done it Sunday. No. The Bible says new mercies. His mercies are new every day. I am dealing with today, but tomorrow requires the same activation. Tuesday requires the same activation. Wednesday requires the same activation. I can't just set it and forget it because today is Sunday. Antioch West, hear what I'm saying. I've been saying this now for three years. Hear what I'm saying in the Holy Ghost. God is trying to take us out of a one day a week mentality to a lifestyle, seven days a week, 365 day a year lifestyle. The trappings of religion want to make God a Sunday thing, or one-day-a-week thing. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, he added to the church daily. We see multiple times throughout Scripture the pattern, the principle of a daily walk. In the end, if you don't hear anything I've said today, as I close, hear what I'm saying. God is wanting you to... To live for him, desire him, engage with him, be intentional with him with just as much fervency on Monday as you do on Sunday. He wants you to be at the same level and of intensity and desire for him on Tuesday as you are on Sunday. Because at 10 a.m., that guy with the pink shirt is coming on. I got to go listen to him for about an hour. Then I can go do my own thing. I got to go to small group. We'll talk a little bit. I'll get through it. And you know, it's Zoom. I don't even have to turn my camera on. I can just be zoned out. It's no big deal. I'll go get that done. So once I get that done, I get it set then I can forget it. And I'm going to do my own thing this week. It's no big deal. It doesn't work that way. God's looking for someone who's desiring him continually day by day. Always mind stayed on him. In the end, that's what I'm trying to say to you today in the spirit. That's what I feel like God's trying to say to someone today. Stop turning me on and off. Stop flipping the switch on, getting it set and forgetting it. Don't set it and forget it. Give me the same intensity that you give me on Sunday. Give it to me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The same intensity that you come to me when you have a need Live that way when there are no needs. Because if you can't live with me without needs, I have no choice but to keep you in need. Do you understand that? That the reason why God has to keep most of us constantly dealing with junk in our life, constantly dealing with need after need, is because the moment we don't have a need, we set it and forget it! So God, in his love and mercy, continues to have us dealing with need after need after need after need because it's the only way he can keep us engaged with him. So today, in a few minutes, we're turning this off. You may go to a small group, one of our life groups today, virtually. If you're not in a part of a life group, we'd love to have you be a part of a life group. There's information that we put on the beginning of the broadcast that you can join a life group if you choose to do so. You can do it virtually. You don't even have to be in the area. We have virtual life groups meeting that you can do from, the, from right where you are. But even if you do that, you go today and you, you, go, you, you finish here. You get in your hour. And then in a few minutes you go to your life group and you do that and you're done. And you go, okay, whew, I've followed all the instructions. I can set it. And forget it. Doesn't work that way. Don't set it and forget it. But seek God with the same fervency this afternoon as you feel today, right now. Tomorrow morning. Let him be on your mind like he is. Sunday morning, God's here. Okay. Everybody get ready. We got it. we gotta engage because we've got to see Jesus today. So everyone get 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 straight. Get up. God forgive me of for all my sins. Lord, if I've done anything this week that was bad. If I said anything, did anything, forgive me for what I watched, forgive me for what I did. Get it all cleaned out because I know in a few minutes I gotta engage with you because it's Sunday. So get me cleaned out, washed up, cleaned up. Whew, okay, I'm ready, God. Sunday. Pour it on me. All right. Oh, I endured those two hours. Boy, that was tough. Thank God. I don't have to do that anymore until next Sunday. So Let's just go live it up. Oh! oh my goodness, it's Sunday again. I got, Lord forgive me for all my sins. Get this cleansed out. Make me all, of, all this. Got it not okay. I can get ready. It's Sunday. Sunday's over. Yes, got it. Let's go. Live it up. Tonight's the Super Bowl. Doesn't work that way. Stop setting and forgetting it. That mentality isn't from God and it doesn't work. That's why we talk about all these things but we never see them come to pass because we set it and forget it. It might work for rotisserie chicken from Ranko but it's not working when it comes to the fruit of a life living with Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you. I've done everything I can do today to try to be the conduit I've tried to speak only what you've given me with the attitude with the fervency that you've given. Lord, every word that's said today, I speak that those words would have would, were your words that they would find lodging in our hearts and life. Change us today, Father. Activate us. Activate your church and your body. In Jesus name, I speak an activation over your church today in Jesus name that we don't just do church but we be church that we not just do church and set it and forget it but we are called to be your church I speak in Jesus name that we would be activated activate us today father Let our faith be activated. Let grace be activated. Let peace be activated. Let it be activated in us. And God, remove the set it and forget it mentality out of our mind. Let us live with an engaged faith. Engaged in you on a daily basis. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us move in you. Let us move. Let us not stay stagnant and still because we said, God, you know, change us. So therefore, we've already said it. So, Lord, you know that. So I'm just going to sit around waiting for you. But, God, we've asked now. We're going to confess every day, and we're going to speak that, and we're going to walk in that because you are looking for people that are willing to take a step, take up our bed, rise up in Jesus' name. I speak this activation in our hearts and spirits by your spirit, by your word, and by your authority, and more importantly, by the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. Make yourself known to us today, in Jesus' name.